Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Craig Rochelle is a preacher in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's a, is a pastor over, it's a huge church. It's several campuses. They have campuses in Florida. They have campuses in ten, uh, Texas. I think one or two in Tennessee. They're all over the place. They've got an internet presence. Um, they, they are a very innovative church, a lot going on. And uh, they're a growing church. They continue to grow and get just huge. Uh, Craig's a great guy. And he tells a story of a time when he and his office staff were not located in a church building, but they were in like a, an office uh, complex or a, a strip mall or something. But he, he talks about a time when he was talking to a buddy of his, a, a, one of the pastors in the church, and they were together in the, in the office complex. They're talking, and all of a sudden these cars come whipping into the, the parking lot. They could see out on the parking lot. And he said, all these cars come flying in, and these kids, these high school kids get out, and they form this circle. And they get up, and they go to the window to see what's happening, and they can see these two boys get out of these cars, and they get in the middle of the circle, and they rip their shirts off, and they're about to have fisticuffs right there in the middle of this parking lot. And um, Craig gets all excited, and he goes running through the office complex saying, there's a fight, there's a fight. There's, you know, he was, he's a guy, and that's the way, the way guys think sometimes is, you know, girls think, oh, somebody's going to get hurt. And guys think, there's a fight. And so he goes running up and down the hallway saying, there's a fight in the parking lot. Well, they get out there, and, um, you know, Craig is, is, for lack of a better word, he's enjoying it for a minute. And then he realizes, wait a minute, I'm a pastor. I, I should be breaking this up. So he jumps in the middle, and he starts pulling. He, they're, you know, they're pulling kids off one another. And all of a sudden, one of the kids in the circle says, it's Pastor Craig, and they all jump in their cars and they fly away as quickly as they showed up in the first place. The point of the story is when you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. This uh, series is called, Who Do You Think You Are? And for the next several weeks, that's what we're going to look at. The problem with a lot of Christians is they don't really know who they are in Christ. And the problem is that if you don't know who you are, then sometimes you don't know what to do. I, I am uh, a pastor, so when I go home for Thanksgiving, uh, whenever everybody gets called around Thanksgiving dinner and we all come into the room and we have to quiet everybody down, you know what's going to happen next, right? Just before we eat, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. And I know as a pastor, there's really only one person that's going to be asked to say that prayer because I'm a pastor. Because in everybody's minds, the pastor is supposed to pray for the Thanksgiving meal. Now, if you've got a pastor in your family, and some of you do, I'm sure you probably do this to him. He's the one that gets designated as the prayer. We're like the designated hitter in the American League in baseball. That's what we are. And, and it's not offensive to me. I understand the mentality. I understand the whole thing, and I'm not opposed to prayer. I like prayer, and me and God get along, and so it's okay for me to say the prayer. But the thinking, I think, sometimes in that whole thing is... Well, if Brett's here and he's a pastor, let's have him do it. And the, usually it's the one who's cooked the dinner who calls everybody down and designates me to be the prayer. And, it, and you know, probably the thinking goes something like this. Well, I'm just, a, I'm just the one that made it. You know, I'm not the one that should pray for it. Or I'm just a housewife. Or I'm just a student. Or I'm just a, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you do. If you don't, I mean, I don't see myself this way at all, but I think sometimes 
other people see pastors as professional Christians, right? And, you know, they do it better than us. And, and surely we should have them be saying the prayers because they know all the right words to say. And if you've ever thought that way, then, then you're, you're doing exactly what I'm hoping to address in this series. And that is, you've basically said, I'm just a regular person. I'm not special. And, and I'm, I'm not, um, there's really nothing special about me. Well, I'm here to tell you today, there's really nothing regular about you if you're a believer in Jesus. You need to understand that. You need to understand that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you if you are a believer. You need to understand that you have access to the very throne of God. That is not regular. That's not normal. You have the authority to use the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. There is nothing regular about you if you profess Christ. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. I want to help you today to know who you are in Christ so that you will know what to do. Today, we talk about you are an ambassador of Christ. 2 Corinthians says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. If you're in Christ, if you have turned from your sin, if you have confessed Jesus, then you are a new creation. And all new creations have new purposes. The old, the guilt, the shame, that should all be gone. Your sins have been forgiven. You have a clean slate. You are a new creation. The problem is some Christians... Um, don't really understand who they are as new creations. It, it's, it's almost like, a, you know, the, the caterpillar crawls on the ground and it spins this cocoon and then sometime later a butterfly appears, this beautiful butterfly, and it flies away. For Christians who don't really know who they are and don't know what to do, it's a lot like being a caterpillar and you go through the whole process and then out comes this beautiful butterfly, but you never figure out that you can fly. And all you do is crawl around on the sticks and on the ground and on the surface. You never experience flight because you don't know who you are. Therefore, you don't know what to do. The second part of 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 says this, And he, that would be God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God has committed to us. And if you're a Christian, you're in the us, okay? If you're a Christian, he's talking to you. He has committed to you the message, the message, the ministry, the, the calling. That's, that's what you're about. That's who you are. And you, you hear that and you go, no, not me. He has committed to you the message of reconciliation. Now that word reconciliation is one of those big long church words that if you don't go to church... You, you, you hear preachers use words like that, and you're like, see, that's exactly why I don't like going to church, because I don't like those words. Well, that, reconciliation is nothing more than, than uh, reconciliation means to restore to the divine. Okay, that's what it means, to restore to the divine. Just a big word. It means to, to help people be made right with God. What happens with sin is sin drives a wedge between us and God. And, and as, as ambassadors for Christ, our job then is to help bring people back, to help reconcile them to God so that others will know and be right with God. God has committed to you and to me the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You internalize this. You are an ambassador. God has committed to you the message of reconciliation as though God were making an appeal through you. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. So the question is, who do you think you are? Let me tell you who you are. You're an ambassador sent by God. What is an ambassador? 
An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat sent from one country to another country. So in other words, if I were to be tapped by President Obama to go and be the diplomat to Egypt, which would not be a good idea for me to be a diplomat for President Obama, I would would not function well in a diplomatic setting. I would fumble too many things. But, But if he wanted me to serve in that way, in that country, I would be the, the highest-ranking U.S. person in Egypt. You know, I mean, no one would outrank me unless the president came over or unless the vice president or some of his cabinet. There'd be very few people who would outrank me as a diplomat to Egypt. And so if you're a Christian, you are the highest-ranking diplomat sent by God from heaven to earth. Earth is not your home. The Bible says that you're an alien here. It isn't your home. Heaven is your home. And you are to represent Christ the King from the kingdom from which you are sent. In this case, you're a Christian, and you represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. You are Christ's ambassador sent by God from heaven to earth. That's who you are. When you know who you are, you'll know what you do. Two thoughts this morning. Uh, Some of you might say, hang on a minute, Brett. You know, I'm not an ambassador. I mean, anybody that knows me knows... I don't know my Bible very well. I don't pray very good. You know, I don't, I don't always make the best decisions. I've got a bad track record. I mean, I've got a lot of reasons I could tell you why I'm not an ambassador. And, and if anybody knew me, they would know that. I still mess up. I still do stupid things. And, you know, I just, I, I don't, ambassador, that's a big word. It shouldn't be applied to me. You are Christ's ambassador. And as such, you are not elected by people, but you have been chosen and appointed by God. That's the first thought this morning. You've been not elected by people to be an ambassador. God's chosen you to be an ambassador. That's a big deal. God has selected you and appointed you to be an ambassador. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. The only person that really matters is that God thinks enough about you to say, you represent me. I want you to go out and do what you do, and I want you to do it in my name. Jesus said in John You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. In other words, I have chosen you to go out into this world. He chose you. He appointed you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. Jesus chose you. You were appointed so that you would bear fruit to represent him to be an ambassador. And you might say, well, you know, I I don't feel good enough to do that. You know, it's a little bit like when you were in school. You remember... When you were in grade school, and your teacher wanted to uh, wanted to run an errand, have you run an errand? We all wanted to do that, right? How many of you remember Horshack in in Welcome Back, Cotter? See, I did this in the first service. There were like ten times as many hands. We're, we're dealing with a younger crowd in here. Um, people going, "Welcome Back, Cotter, Horshack. What in the world is that?" Okay. If you really knew Welcome Back, Cotter, you would have had your hand way high in the air to to emulate whom? Horshack. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pick me, pick me. Ooh, ooh. If you knew that your teacher wanted to send a, some, a, a classmate on an errand, you wanted to be that guy or that girl, right? You wanted to get out of class. Nobody wants to be in class. We all wanted to be out of class. And sometimes you had teachers that all they would pick were the smart kids or all they would pick were the pretty kids or the, you know, the athletes or the popular kids or whatever. But you did have those teachers 
who they, they would just pick at random. They would pick different kids. And, and what would happen is they would, you know, they would search, and it wasn't necessarily the straight-A student or the one that made uh, the, the, the winning goal or the winning basket, but it was just a normal kid, and they would pick them out, and they'd say, you, you come. I need you to go run an errand for me. I need you to go to the principal's office, or I need you to go down to Miss So-and-So's office and, and do this. And they would, they would take a piece of paper, and they would write your name on it, and they would hand it to you. And that was your hall pass, right? And you got a hall pass. And I see this phenomenon in Terrytown Elementary School because I'm over there once a week, and, and I watch this play out every day. It's amazing. When the bell rings and the kids are in the, in the hallways all together, they all run, okay? All of them run it. It's, it's the complete opposite when everybody is in class and a kid has a hall pass. He's taking his time. He's looking at all the pictures on the wall. You know, he's not hurting anything. He's not bothering anybody. He'll stop and wave at his other classmates, you know. Why? Because he's got the hall pass. So if a teacher walks up to him and says, Hey, what are you doing out of class? You reach out and you get the hall pass. I'm supposed to be out here. I've got, I've got the authority of the teacher to let me walk up and down these halls. Slowly, but I've got authority to be able to do that. You were on a mission for the teacher. You were special. You had been chosen and appointed to be her diplomat, to, be, to do a specific job. You know, and, and it's not, it didn't have anything to do with you being the smartest one in the class or the prettiest one in the class. She chose you for whatever reason, reason that day. She chose you, and you got a hall pass. I took my glasses off. Now I can't see a thing on my page, so I better put them back on. When you internalize it, that makes a difference. When, when you understand, it go, when it goes from head knowledge to heart truth, everything changes. Paul taught us this. You can see this in his writings. He said, therefore, you are Christ's ambassador as though he were making his appeal through you. In other words, God's using you. God's working through you. God wants to touch other people through you. How else is God going to affect change in someone's life? How... how Think about the way you've come to know Christ. Think about the way you've come to grow. God has used somebody in your world. You didn't just go to bed and by osmosis, you know, God say, I'm going to put all this in you. No. Some, God used somebody to teach you, to mold you, to shape you into the kind of person you are today. And Paul saw himself as an ambassador. He saw others as, as an ambassador as well. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And if you know Paul's past, you know that he was not a very likely candidate to be used by God to shape the rest of the world for Christ. And yet, that's pretty much what happened. He was the number one prosecutor of Christians. In fact, Christians died because of Paul. You, you would, if you were a Christian, you would not look at Paul and say, oh, he's going to be an ambassador for God one day. He's What a great man of God. If you were a Christian, you didn't think Paul was a man of God. Now, Paul was a religious man, and Jews probably thought Paul was a man of God, but if you were a Christian, you didn't think that about Paul. And God one day said, I've had enough of that. So he, he encounters uh, Paul on the road to Damascus through Jesus. And, and we talked about this a couple of months ago. Uh, Ananias, God goes to Ananias and he says, Paul, uh, Ananias, I want you to go to Paul uh, and I want you to lay hands on him. He, he's expecting you. He's seen a vision that, that you're going to do that. And Ananias starts to give some pushback. Oh, um, God, if I, could just, you know, if I could just say just for a minute, um, this guy wants to kill people like me. This guy, 
he's not going to be receptive to something like that. And God says, no, he's different now. And this is what the Lord said to Ananias. Listen, this is Acts 9. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. He is my ambassador. I've chosen him to represent me to the Gentiles. You need to understand, you're God's chosen instrument to be an ambassador to whatever group you're around. You say, well, who who might that be? Well, it could be the people you work with. Tomorrow morning when you go into work, God expects, now that doesn't mean that you're supposed to go in with your, you know, with your fish necklace and your Bible under your arm and, you know, saying Bible verses. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But you are an ambassador to the people that you work with. And God has chosen you to be in the place you are. Now, you may think, no, the place where I am, God wouldn't choose me to be there. No, he has. He has. God God has an expectation of you in the place where you work. It it could be the people in your family. I was just home with my family yesterday and and, uh, saw my mom and dad and lots of nieces, nephews, lots of people in my family. And and you know what? Most of them know Jesus, but there's some that don't. And, and, you know, God put me around them. I think God, I, I function in a way when I'm around them, I think to myself, okay, no, I'm, I'm kind of on the clock here. I, not, not in terms of being a pastor, but as a Christian. I, I want to represent Jesus well. I don't want to do something that's going to defame the name of Christ. And if, 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 if I can impact one of these people, then that's what I want to do. You know, most of the time, and I'm going to talk about this, and I don't know how well I talk about this, so just give me a little grace, but most of the time, I I move about as a pastor okay. What I mean by that is I I don't get freaked out about it too much. But there are those moments that if I stop and think about it for very long and I think about what I do, I speak and teach for God basically for a living, okay? Okay? And, and again, I'm not going to talk, I don't, I'm not going to do this very well, but I'm trying. There are times when I think about the weight of that, it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming when you come into my office for counseling and you sit down and you say things like, Brett, after what you said yesterday in your sermon, I'm re- I, think I'm, I think I heard God tell me to quit my job. I'm like, What? Don't blame that on me, okay? If you're going to quit your job, don't blame that on me. But I hear it all the time. No, no, Brett, something you said yesterday really has me thinking I need to just quit my job and go sell llamas on a hillside. I'm like, no, no, no. What are you thinking? You know, I mean, it's in those moments that I start to think to myself, this is pretty serious stuff. I mean, I, I don't know whether you're paying attention or not, but you show up every week. And, and you know, I, based on feedback, I know that from time to time, some of the things that get said from the stage are pretty weighty and, and you, you, you're listening. And when I think about it, I, I get a little, just a little freaked out by the whole thing. And if I can just take it a step further, there's sometimes I'm, I walk in here, I forget I'm the pastor. You know, the band starts playing and I'm singing right along with you guys and then it all stops and we take communion and sometimes I forget it's time for you now. I've just been one of you. I've been worshiping. I don't really... And we, we're kind of that way in this church. We, you guys get that and you're really good about it. There's really not... There's no difference between me and you. And I like it that you guys understand that. Um, I just happen to be the guy that preaches every week. But that doesn't mean I'm any better than you or perform better or any of that. And you understand that and that's cool. But there's times I just forget 
who I am. I'll be real honest with you. When, when we were going through the, the room to be real thing, on the front end of that and kind of the first half of that whole thing, I struggled. I mean, I, I struggled. I, because, listen, I, I know guys that do this, colleagues of mine that are in ministry, and, and we you know, compare notes once in a while. And I went to homecoming at my Bible college in, in February, and I was around a lot of those folks. And when I start to compare myself and my intellect and my looks and my, you know, anything compared to some of the people I know who do this and, and I hear that voice that says, you're not as good as them. You're not as spiritual as them or you don't know as much as them. You don't know your Bible as well as them or you don't have the experience they have or your church isn't as big or any number of crazy stupid things that the, that the devil would say to someone like me and it all got better when I heard God say, Brett, I picked you. I chose you for this time in the history of this church to do this thing. And it doesn't matter how much you know. And it doesn't matter how good looking you are or how well you preach or any of that. My power is perfected in your weakness. And when you give yourself to me, it doesn't matter how good you are. In fact, the fact that you're not real good enables me to show off in unbelievable ways. It's the truth. And so once you kind of download that and you get on board with that and you think to yourself, well, oh, okay, then, then that takes a lot of the pressure off. God, I'm really not sure why you chose me. I don't really feel special. I don't feel like I'm qualified to do this. But if you chose me, okay. Many of you right now, God is preparing to call you to something and you would hear those same voices. You're not spiritual enough. You're not, you're not Bible literate enough. You don't pray well enough. You, your quiet time is horrendous. You, you don't, you, you don't and, and you would have all those excuses. It could Maybe God's calling you to teach little kids or he's calling you to go on a mission trip or he's calling you to... Some of you, he could be calling to go into ministry, quite honestly. And you've got all the excuses lined up. These are all the reasons why I can't do it. But the one thing you're missing is this. God chose you to be his ambassador. He picked you. He handpicked you. He gave you the hall pass. You may feel called to share Christ with somebody. There may be somebody in your circle, and they are ripe, they're primed, they're asking questions, and you're, in your mind you're thinking, I wish they would quit asking me questions because it's kind of freaking me out because I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. Yes, you do. If you know Jesus and you know who you are, you know what to do. If you know Jesus, you know you've been forgiven. You tell people when you know Jesus, you get forgiven. That's how you tell somebody about Jesus. It's not hard. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You are an ambassador for Christ. And it doesn't matter how good-looking you are or how bad-looking you are or how smart you are. You are God's chosen instrument. You are his ambassador called by God, sent from heaven to earth. When you know who you are, you'll know what, you do, what, you, what to do. It, it could be as simple as, as you're a great mechanic and you know how to fix cars. And God could be setting you up right now to be driving down the road at some point and you encounter some housewife on the side of the road with two little kids and you know she doesn't know how to fix that car. But you do. 
or you at least know how to change the tire or get it to the side of the road, you can help. And you pull over and you do what God calls you to do. And then when they thank you profusely and say, how in the world could I ever say thanks? You just say, man, I love Jesus. And, and there's no way he's going to let me drive by you with you on the side of the road like this. You're God's chosen instrument. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.20 We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You were chosen and appointed by God. When you believe that, it will change your life. The second thought is this. The first one is you were elected not, not by men but by God. The second thought is this. As Christ's ambassadors, you never represent yourself. You always represent God. If I am the ambassador to Egypt... I do not take my agenda to Egypt. I would take President Obama's agenda to Egypt. It, it wouldn't be about what I want for the country as it relates to Egypt. It would be about what, what, what my government wants in relationship to Egypt. It, I have to put my agenda to the side. You represent the king or the kingdom who sent you. In our case as Christians, when we go into the world, we represent him. Jesus was the ultimate ambassador. He said this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I am here to represent him. What we do, what we say, matters. It matters. I'm going to vent for just a minute. Just bear with me. And I, I have no one in mind as I say this, okay? Um, in fact, it's not so bad among the people in our church, although we have it from time to time, but I see it just in general on Facebook. Can I vent on Facebook for just a minute? Let's just do this. How many of you are on Facebook? I want to, let's check this out. Yeah, see, it's not like I'm talking to a bunch of people who don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm calling you out right now what I'm doing. It amazes me. Listen to me. It amazes me how we can praise God and talk about how we're praying and talk about all of our spiritual stuff in one post and in the next post tell people how we couldn't find our way home because we'd had too much to drink or, be, or that we're mad at so and so or you know we use language that is unbefitting for us as believers to be using in one sentence we say all these cool things about God and in the next we totally tear it down and we don't realize that people who don't call on the name of Jesus read all that stuff. And we're not good ambassadors sometimes. So whenever you see me post things, and it's not very often, I try really hard. I'm trying to not be an, an, an overtly just, you know, in-your-face Christian pastor that's obnoxious to all the people who don't believe in Jesus because I have a lot of atheists that are reading my posts. I have people that are friends with me that don't believe in Jesus. And I'm careful what I put on there. And you've got to understand, you've got people reading your stuff. They don't know Jesus. And if the only person that they know who knows Jesus is you, and, and you're doing, you know, praise God in one sentence, and I got wasted last night in the next, not a good witness, not a good ambassador. We've got to do better than that. We've got to be better than that. When you know that you're an ambassador, and it's not just head knowledge, but it becomes something true in your heart, it changes how you function. It changes how you live. Let me kind of, kind of share this with you, just from a personal, a couple of personal illustrations for me. Um, I hadn't been using a computer very long, but I, 
I had a friend named Michael, and we had computers, and we, we discovered chat rooms. We discovered that you could go into a chat room and talk to one another. So Michael and I, my friend Michael, if you know me well, you know, you know I've got a buddy named Michael. And Michael and I, were, he lives in Mitchell, Indiana. We're talking back and forth on, on the computer. We thought we were in this chat room by ourselves. And then all of a sudden, this name pops into it. We, we didn't think anybody could get into our chat room. We thought it was just me and him. And all of a sudden, this other person pops in and starts participating in our chat. And we were talking about Christian concerts and Christian bands and the Bible, and we we're talking about all kinds of stuff. And this person starts asking questions about what we're talking about. Well, we said, well, have you heard of this band? No. Have you heard of this band? No. Well, it dawned on us pretty quick. We had a non-Christian in our chat room. And our mouth started watering, okay? So we're going to tell this boy about Jesus. And so we start talking and trying to get to know them. And they're, they're asking questions. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about all this stuff. And they're asking questions. It's obvious they're not a Christian. Well, several times after that in the weeks that followed, Michael and I started to engage this person online. We, we kind of made appointments almost like, we'll meet you here at such and such. Started talking to this person. It took like three or four or five trips to the chat room to figure out this isn't even a guy this is a 19 year old girl in canada who's an atheist who rides a, a she's a uh, like a like an emt kind of person and her, her her handle was medic medic something 19 she came to be known as my northern friend and she called me her southern pat uh, southern pat southern pastor friend is what she called me and so I, I, we don't talk anymore, but for the longest time, we, we exchanged emails. I, I was trying to witness to her and tell her about Jesus, and I knew when her birthday was, and I'd send her a greeting on her birthday, and, um, you know, it just kind of waned over the years. And I wish I could tell you in this story that, that I said the, I had the magic bullet thing, right? And I told her that thing, and she came to Christ, and she's involved in her church, and she's got, you know, 10 kids, and they're all, you know, great, going to be evangelists or something. None of that happened. None of that happened. I, she, I know she got married. Um, I know she really, she likes her dogs. I know I, I haven't talked to her in a long time. I, I know that she's still doing the medic thing. Did, did, I, did I change her world? No. But, and, and I'll start to say that's not important. It is important. I mean, I want that to happen. It doesn't always happen. What's important, though, is that I be open, and when I see an opportunity, I seize the opportunity when God says, I've chosen you. I've given you influence in this person's life. Open your mouth and say the words. And sometimes we just, we lock up. When you know who you are, you know what to do. I'll tell you another story. This one's fun. I have a little brother named Scott. He is about six years younger than me. Uh, he lives in this very unique subdivision over northern Kentucky, all the way down to the cul-de-sac, and it's a pretty long road, all these families know each other. They're all the same age. They're all, they're all in their early 40s. They, they, they all know each other. They've all got little kids, and, and um, they, they all hang out. And the thing is, and Scott's kind of like the social butterfly. He's the hub for all these. He's the connection for all of them. And when, he, when, it, when his house is open to his subdivision, he opens the front, the garage door. So when his neighbors see the garage door open, they know that Scott's deck is open for business, and that's where everybody gathers. I love to be there on that deck when his neighbors come, and they drink beverages, 
And there's a couple of times that I've had the opportunity to be there when they've been drinking beverages and, and, you know, they find out who I am and what I do. And it's like a feeding frenzy, you know, that they all have, we start talking about politics and we talk about sports and we talk about life and inevitably God comes up in this thing and Scott will say, well, my brother is a pastor and you can just see their ears pin right back, you know, like a cat, you know, I, I feel like a fresh piece of meat. And so we have this exchange. I'm trying to lead them to Jesus, and they're, they're just, they're like a cat with the catnip, you know? Um, and you should see a pastor try and lead a bunch of people to Jesus who've had a few. It's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon. But at some point, my little brother will say, free counseling. I mean, you know, he's here. He'll do whatever you, you know, what, what do you need? I've had some of the coolest conversations, God conversations with some of those people taught the same way I'm teaching you. I mean, there's been times when I've taught them exactly the way I'm teaching you right now. And, you know, with their beer in their hand and their cigarette and, you know, their kids are running around in the yard and I'm just trying to tell them about Jesus. Do I get there where I want to be with all of them? No. Did I make a little headway with some? Yeah, I think so. The point is, when God gives me the opportunity, I'm doing the best I can to make the most of it. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. One more. I was in my office and this young girl called I was a youth pastor and this young girl called and she was with an organization called Acquire the Fire it's like a youth conference thing and, and she was an intern and her job was to call all the pastors she had a list of pastors youth pastors she was supposed to call them and ask if, she, if, they, if the youth pastors would send their kids to Acquire the Fire and oh by the way we need money could you send us some money you can imagine she's, she's college age okay she's making she's doing this as an intern and she's making these calls over and over. She's got this long list, and she gets to me. She calls, and she wants me to bring my kids to acquire the fire. Well, I wasn't going to bring them to acquire the fire, and so I had to break that bad news to her. And it's like, oh, okay, you're not going to bring them. But then she rallied, and she did what she was trained to do, and they had taught her, at the end of your conversation, ask these pastors, is there anything that you need me to pray for you for? So she said that to me. She said, uh, Pastor Wilson, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And I said, well, and I, so I gave her, you know, I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to, I thought, you know, if she's asking, I'll give her a couple of things. So I gave her a couple of things. I said, yeah, you could pray for this for me. And then God, I just kind of sensed, God said, ask her if you could pray for her. So I did. I can't remember the girl's name. We'll call her Julie. I said, Julie, can I pray for you? She broke down. She said, I've been making calls all day and no one's ever asked me if they could pray for me. And I've been making calls all day and nobody's sending their kids to acquire the fire. I'm not really having, I said, so it's not going real good today. She said, no. I said, so we talked. I'm sure she wasn't supposed to be doing this. I'm sure acquire the fire would be mad at her if she knew. But you understand, this girl needed help. So the longer we talked, she, she started to explain to me, I'm, I'm living with five other girls in this room we don't always get along. There's some conflict there. You could pray about that. I'm far away from my family. I miss my home. I miss my boyfriend. I miss, I'm, I'm, this is hard. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. She had all this stuff. And for about 20 minutes, we talked about her world. And at the end of it, she just said, thank you. I just, I just want to thank you for taking time to talk to me. She said, that's all right. When you know who you are, you know what to do. When you see yourself as an ambassador, and not just as a regular Christian, just somebody that's nondescript, you know, I, God, you're not going to use me. No, God wants to use you. God's got some plan for you tomorrow. You have to be open to it. You have to be looking for the opportunities. 
when you believe that that's who you are, you will know what to do, and you'll see those opportunities. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I can't, I can't do that. How do you do that? How do you speak on God's behalf? You speak in the authority of the one who sent you. Do I? Listen, you guys know me. I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I am not all that smart. I don't know what I'm doing much of the time. I, stuff happens in my world sometimes. I have conversations, and, I, and I'm a little, when I look back on it and I think about what happened, sometimes I quote scripture that I didn't even know I knew. Has that ever happened to you? You quote scripture, and, you, and then you stop for a minute and go, I didn't know I knew that. When you speak, on behalf of God, God comes behind it and does amazing things because his power is perfected in our weakness. Paul, over and over again, said, you know what, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm just a preacher who preaches the power of the gospel. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. He said, I just do this in the authority that's been given to me by Christ. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave for us, gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. Do not be ashamed of the authority that is yours in Jesus. Now, if I, if I were to go out right now to Fort Harrison and Lafayette and stand right out there in front of uh, the Kentucky Fried Chicken, and held my hand up. I'm liable to get run over, right? I mean, there's no authority in Brett standing out in Lafayette Avenue holding his hand up. Nobody's really going to see that. However, if I were to change into a policeman's uniform and put on the badge and had my hat on, put a whistle in my mouth and blew the whistle, went out with my white glove and held it up, now all of a sudden people will stop. What's the difference? The difference is I now have the authority of Terre Haute behind me and you can go to jail if you don't do what I tell you to do. If I give you the order to stop on the street and I'm a police officer, you'd better stop or you're going to get in trouble. Brett doing it, not a big deal. Police officer doing it changes everything because of the authority behind the person who's holding their hand up. It works like this in your family. And if you've got kids, you've had this happen to you, okay? Your kids come in. One kid comes in, and, and my, I'll just use my two. Of course, this never happened in my house. Okay. But Tanner comes walking into the living room. Dad, Bennett's in there, and he's doing this, and he won't stop. Well, tell him to stop. Okay, he goes back in. Stop doing it. It doesn't happen. Comes back in. Dad, I told him to stop, and he didn't stop. You go back, and you tell him, I said stop. And if he doesn't stop, I'm coming in there, okay? Now Tanner goes back in with a different confidence and a different message because he's not just carrying his own authority. He's got dad's authority. And it's great when you hear him go back in and deliver that message, right? Dad said, you better stop or he's coming in here, you know? And, and at that point, it was always really interesting to hear what the response was from the older child to see how brave he was. I don't care if dad comes in here or not. You know, you always wanted to hear that and come in both barrels blazing and see what happened, you know. But if you've had small kids, you've had that conversation, right? You go tell them I said. You tell them I said because if I say it, I'm the parent. They'll change. They'll do it because you're the parent. You come in the authority of the one who has sent you. First century believers understood that. That's why crazy things happened in the early church because the early believers understood they came in God's authority. They knew who they were and they knew what to do. 
There's no such thing as a regular Christian. Don't see yourself that way. You're an ambassador for Christ, appointed and called by God to represent heaven on earth. You carry the message of reconciliation as if God were making his appeal through you. You never represent yourself. You always represent God. If you're a believer, you always represent God. That's why with Paul you can say this, and I'm almost done. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not just a stay-at-home mom. You are not just a truck driver or a school teacher or a bank teller or whatever it is that you do with your life. That's not who you are. You're an ambassador. And if you're a mom, you're raising the next generation of young people, leaders, church, Christ followers. If you're a bank teller, your job is to go in and, and, and not, not carry your Bible and beat people over the head with Jesus. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. But that you go in and you represent Jesus to your other fellow bank tellers. If you're a student, you've got a whole chemistry class who, if they know you're a Christian, they watch you. Whether they tell you or not, they're watching you. You're an ambassador. When you know who you are, you are not just a regular Christian. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Let's pray together. Father, I give you thanks that you allow us to participate in this way, that you didn't just say, hey, I've got it all covered, but instead you have broken off pieces and responsibilities and given them to us. You allow us ministries. You give us influence. You put us in positions. Sometimes we wonder why we are where we are, and we are in those places because we are divinely appointed by you to be there. So God, this morning, we are humbled that you would have such a high opinion of us. And we're humbled because we know that even though we represent you, we probably don't deserve that title. Lord, on our own, we are not very good. On our own, we are not very smart. There's an awful lot that we don't do right. We don't perform well all the time. But God, your power is perfected in our weakness. And I pray that we would see that this morning. And I pray that even now as we walk to leave, to go to, to restaurants and be around people who maybe don't know Jesus, that we would see ourselves as divinely appointed ambassadors for Christ. Help us tomorrow when we walk into work to be functioning as divinely appointed ambassadors for Christ share your love with people who don't know Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray.